0: And my friends, here it is. This is the hour-long, well, slightly over-hour-long preview show. It's a part of the Garrett Fear episode. Me and Garrett went three and a half hours, and um, obviously the last episode he was on, I took two and a half of those hours, and we just did straight-up powerlifting talking, among other things, And that blew up just like the first time he came on the podcast a year ago last summer. And everybody was loving it. Um, In the middle of that three and a half hours was that hour for the showdown. So I pulled it and this is it. This is Garrett's breakdown. We went back and forth on it. Garrett did a phenomenal job. The guy went into open powerlifting. Every single lifter, he's pulling up numbers uh, I mean, he came. He came correct. I, I didn't expect him. I, I knew we were going to talk about the showdown meet. I didn't think he's going to put so much time into researching. So much appreciated. My man is a, a true professional. And uh, so you'll hear it. And we go lifter by lifter. And then after that, we even get into the Yuri Belkin versus John Hack chatter. Kick it back up, and even hypothesize what a possible. Card might look like if we just put nothing but the big guns like Steffi Cohen comes back from the boxing hiatus and takes on Mariana Ryan one more time because their battle in the U.S. Kern was phenomenal. Anybody who's seen that, edge of your seat, Steffi checks out just a hair below 700 Wilks and then obviously Mariana with the 720 establishing herself as the Wilks queen. Uh, Both women just absolutely murdering what we all thought was conceivable leading into this. And uh, it it was one of the best showdowns we ever seen. So we revisit that and talk about maybe stacking a card like that where it's just showdowns. You know, just showdowns on one flight. And it opens it up. Let me know in the DMs. Let me know in the comments if you could put together a powerlifting flight pay-per-view, whatever, just one flight, maybe two flights. Okay, don't get too greedy on me, though. And it's like a boxing UFC-style matchup where it's one versus one, like Daniela Mello versus Amanda Lawrence-style showdown, like Brett Gibbs versus Russell Orhe style showdown. Nobody else, just two from a weight class. Steffi versus Mariana, Hack. Versus Belkin at the top for all the marbles? Or is it at the top? Is there a more intriguing showdown in powerlifting than Hack versus Belkin? I don't know. I do not know there is a more intriguing one right now. There might be something I'm not thinking of. And in these hypotheticals, let's say there's absolutely no politics in terms of uh, federations, etc., and you could take people from the untested and the tested. I don't think they should showdown against each other, but they could be on the same card at very least. Picture that if you will. And uh, and, me and me and my man Garrett were just throwing this around, but it, it, it would be intriguing. Obviously, in real life, you can't be mixing feds like that, but you could see. I mean, the SBD was thinking about doing their, their invitational And they just wanted, you know, a bunch of showdowns to happen. And I don't know if the SBD invitation is going to happen this winter. Um, It's not looking great worldwide still with COVID. But they're listening and they're watching and they're collecting data on what people want to see. So let me know. Throw it in the comments. Throw it in the DMs. Uh, With no further ado, give a listen to this podcast. It's me. It's Garrett Fear. We have another blast. And uh, the way you guys respond to him when he comes on King of Lists, it sounds like I gotta have him on more often, not just once a year. Anyways, but as as always, subscribe, post up in your Instagram stories, I will repost. Um, you guys have been extremely supportive lately, and it is very much appreciated and very much noticed. Trust me. So, with no further ado, let's get into it. Hey! you have some you have some things written down there for the show showdown me right
1: i do, do. You want to hit
0: that let's hit this before we uh yeah, go, so pass it because i'm gonna forget and i'm gonna pull
1: so As a lot of you know, the the showdown meet is coming up. Uh, It was originally supposed to be in Buffalo, New York. It's being put on by uh, Luke Bright at Eat Right Foods. By the way, plug for Eat Right Foods, man. I get all my meal prep from Eat Right. Uh, Super awesome food, super simplistic meals. All the macros are there. Use code FEAR10. Um, It had to get moved to Kansas City. It's now at J.P. Price's Gym, Strong Barbell Club. Uh, because the regulations in New York are still pretty strict. Um, so the roster has changed a lot in the past year since this meet was announced. Um, and, and even I, I'm still on the roster list. I actually pulled out in February, but I said something along the lines that I may still do it, uh, and I'm not doing it. I just have too many minor injuries that are contributing to uh, major performance and impingements. Um, so that's why I'm not doing it for anybody who's going to ask. So I wrote down a list of the entire roster. uh, I took into consideration everyone's best totals, their previous meets, um, you know, what kind of momentum they're rolling on going into these meets, um, how long these people have been competing. So um, to go through this roster real fast, for anybody who hasn't seen it, at 148 is Mikey Estrella. If you guys don't know Mikey Estrella, you should definitely be following him. Dude's out of uh, Washington, strong as shit. He's a 148 competitor. Blake LeHue at 165. Blake LeHue, younger guy, started competing in 2010. He's been around the scene for a while. Last couple of years, started competing on a deadlift bar in Untested, and it's benefited him very, very well. Quick um, note
0: on Blake, I'll add, IPF, as a junior, he won the Equipped and Raw World Championships. And carved his teeth in the IPF before switching over. So he's been at the top end both sides.
1: He's been at the top end on both sides, um, so and then at 181 we have Michael Derwan, also out of uh, uh, Washington. Not, uh, he's not as uh, you know a big of a clout lifter per se. Very strong dude. I've got to meet Michael a couple of times. Uh, J- J- uh, Javon Garrison, that's the guy, uh, the 104th Avenger. He yeah. uh, wears the face makeup and stuff. A little more. Oh wow, ones. dude, I love it. Yeah, uh, Charles Vogel is a dude out of Texas. Uh, he started actually only competing last year. He's really new. He used to be a bodybuilder. Got a lot of potential in the sport. Uh, that's the whole 181, Derwan.
0: What are you expecting there? Are, are you, is there a clear favorite or is it pretty close and tight? In, in, hard in
1: 181, is there a clear favorite? Yeah. Um, in 181, it's pretty tight. So um, Javon did 785 kilo at um, 180, uh, 182.5 kilo, 181 with a five thirty six dots and uh charles did uh 760 at 82 but his was in wraps but michael did 807 also in wraps so it looks like and mind you guys this is a completely sleeved meet um so out of the 181 guys um my money is is, is probably going to be on javon um sorry charles man i love you but my money is probably going to be on javon what's <laughs> funny is uh All of these guys are relatively new competitors. Javon started in 2017. Charles started in 2019. Michael started in 2016. So he's been around a little bit longer. Going into 198, uh, we got Carlos Moran, one of my favorite lifters of all time. Uh, Carlos has been competing since 2009. Uh, Been around for a long time. Very fun to watch lift. Very intelligent guy. His best total, he did um, 857 at 90, uh, but bombed out of his last meet. He may have pulled out after squats, I think. Uh, And then, obviously, we have John Hack. Uh, So, John Hack is... (laughs) um, We did a pretty good intro to
0: him earlier, but... He's he's got
1: 80 kilos on the next closest 198 competitor. He's got two and a half kilos on the best 220 competitor. And there's only one of the two forty-two competitors who's out totaled him. And he even outtotaled uh one of the two seventy-five competitors at this Jesus contest.
0: Wet, so
1: the heavy favorite for this meet's obviously for me gonna be John Hack. He's also just on this massive roll of a two-year-long momentous streak ever since the 2018 US Open. His training's look super good. He's still PRing. He's still maintaining an awesome standard. John's only issue typically is depth. Um, That's going to happen with a high bar, heavy knee travel, um, uh, Olympic shoe squatter. Um, But I'm not really worried about him. I think John's going to do 970 at 90 kilo. That's really...
0: That's really the the the, the storyline for John Hack isn't whether or not he's going to win. He could beat guys several weight classes up. It's what could he do? Are we going to see? Yeah. And
1: I think, I think, I think if John, well, the thing is John is an amazing competitor. He's not like, he's not only a gym lifter. He's an amazing competitor. He typically goes in and he can go two. he can go over two on his first two squats and pull out his third. I watched him do it at the 19 tribute. I watched him miss his first two squats for depth, go up. 10 keys, and then I think 12 and a half keys, and yeah. hit his third squat. We know John always goes three for three on bench, always hits his biggest deadlift on his second attempt usually. So I think we're going to see John do something like 970 at 90. The last 198 competitor is a good friend of mine, Eric Wilberg out of North Carolina, trains at of spider strength. Uh, he's got the lowest total of the 198ers, which is so funny because it's still uh 1835. <laughs> well, I mean, the are only monsters passive total. Uh going into 220, um this is a fun little this is actually a really fun um uh, roster of 220s. So I don't think Kayler's doing the meat. Oh um, damn it I don't think Kayler's doing the meat. I just don't think he's pulled out. He hasn't said much about it. His training has been okay at best lately. Um which is, you know, we're all going to go through these these highs and lows. Right. Uh, so I don't think Taylor's actually doing it. The highest total we currently have at 190 or at 220 is Josh Lentz. If you guys don't know Josh Lentz, I've been following Josh Lentz for years. One of the first powerlifters I ever knew. I started following Josh when he was uh, still on the uh, powerlifting watch top 10 lifters at 220. Um so he actually has the highest total of all the 220s. He did 935 at 220, which in uh kilos I believe uh,
0: Yeah, let's do ki- let's We'll say kilos just cuz there's a lot of international Yeah,
1: resources. that's that's uh, 2055 at 220. Uh he's had a his best coefficients, 580 and uh his last meet he did a very 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 casual uh, 2,000 pound total, which for those of you on the other side of the world, that's 9.10 kilo. He did a very casual, like I want to say it was a 6 for 6 or 9 for 9, uh, 9.10, which mm. is very impressive. Joe's best total, Joe Sullivan, a good friend of mine, awesome dude. Uh, Joe, for those of you who don't know, is probably... In my opinion, one of the best wrapped competitors in the world. He's just had a really tough go at sleeves. His deadlift hasn't been the best the past couple of years. He's gone through a lot of changes in body weight and body composition and coaches. Um, But I think he'll do pretty well. And then we got Jake uh, Benson. If you guys don't know Jake Benson, Jakey B. Jakey e. B. Jakey e. B. is another one of those very unassuming guys. You go and look at him, you're like, hey, he's pretty jacked, you know, and you wouldn't expect him to move the weight that he does. Um, Jake, if you're listening to this, I have been secretly competing with you inside of my head for two and a half years. Um,
0: <laughs> That's a fucking.
1: And so cool uh, the last 220 is somebody I never even heard of, uh, Demarius uh, Slocum. I my handwriting's trash. I went and looked up his open powerlifting. He's done two meets. He's relatively new to the sport. Looks like it was a last-minute entry. If I had to bet on anybody in the 220s, my money is going to go to Josh Lentz. And that's who I, I think will probably also be in the battle for second, third, fourth, and fifth. Um, I think it's going to be John Hack and the following four are all going to be right in the same range on coefficient. Okay. Coming into 242, the 110 kilo – we only have two competitors. That's Aaron Palco. He's out of Columbus, trains at Lexen, and uh, Max Xavier, John Philippe. If you guys don't know that, that's um, RPE Max, milk gang, meme page guy. Uh, he got a ban from the USAPL because he basically fucked with them so much that they banned him. Um, there, Aaron Palco did nine – his last meet, he actually did at 100 kilo, 220, and he did a 920 at that meet. Um, which was a uh, 2025. Um, but his last meet at 110, 242, he did 961. Um, that was uh, two years ago. That's a, that's a, over a 2100 pound total. It's like 2116. Um, so at 242, uh, even though I love you, Max, man, my money's going to go on Palco, especially since we're using a monolith. Uh, just Palco is a, a god squatter out of a monolith. I think recently he took like. 760 for five or something. I forget. I'm dead definitely fucked up that number. Uh 275. We also have three competitors, Andy Wong, Ricky White, and Cade Proctor. What's really, really cool about the 275 division this meet is Ricky and Cade are both in their first year and a half of powerlifting. So, so how is this
0: possible they've reached this far this quickly? That's insane. He uh, well, must have been lifting previously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People enter, some people enter the sport just late in general, and they're already pretty strong. K did his last couple of meets at 242, 110 kilo. And he put up like 875, which is pretty solid. But going up a weight class will probably benefit him quite a bit. Uh, Ricky Wright has only done two meets, uh, but he still totaled 955. Um, He's a monster. Which, He's a monster, man. That's a 2,100-pound that's a total within two meets. That's, that's an animal. And then Andy Wong. You guys all know Andy. Andy's done 995 at 275 and 990 at like 268. He literally averages like a 565 dot score. And there are so many guys on this sheet who have that midline 550 to 570 dot score who all – almost every time are just like an attempt or two away from upping that 20 to 30 points. Andy's one of them, but a cool thing with Andy is he's, I believe the second or third oldest competitor on this list, but he also has the current longest hiatus in powerlifting. He had a very bad, very bad injury. Yeah. He had that adductor injury at the current in nineteen. Uh, that was April 19th. So that's actually the last time he competed, I believe. So he actually has the longest hiatus. So it's going to be really fun to see Andy come back and murder a sleeve meet again. I don't know if you guys know this, but Andy will always be a sleeves competitor. He'll do raps to try to make some money, but Andy's all about those sleeves and he kills it. So my money there is obviously going to be on Andy in and the 275. Um, rolling into the three hundred eight, the one hundred forty kilo, I really just had to go on previous totals to make my assumptions on who's going to win. And so um, the cl- the competitors there are going to be Zach Myers, Rob Philippus, and James Strickland. Rob's have been littered last two years have been pretty littered with injuries, and he's had to kind of regress to try to reprogress progress uh, back into the sport. Uh, his last meet he did uh, nine fifty five kilo, which is a 2100 pound total as well, but he did that at 342 pounds. Mm. Um, so, this is the first meet we're seeing Rob at 308 again in a little while. He's been running super heavyweight for a while. His last good 308 meet, he did uh, 988 and a half kilos, and I believe that's where he uh, took the squat record for a little while. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's a 2175 total. Um, but my money here is gonna go on Zach Myers. Um, he, he just is—he is 30 keys above Strickland's best total uh, at three kilos lighter. Um, what I will say, something cool that I didn't know, James Strickland did a, his first meet in 2004 and then didn't compete again in a sanctioned contest until 2014. Holy shit. Yeah. So that was really cool to see. And his first contest he did at 198, which is really fucking cool to see. Um So my money there is going to go on Zach Myers. And then moving into super heavyweight. What let we
0: do real quick? Let me add one little snippet uh, about James Strickland. So he's chasing a 700-pound bench press. Absolute monster bencher, James Strickland. Had him on the podcast. Fucking phenomenal background story. His father was murdered by somebody. Um, he had stopped to help the guy on the side of the road or something. His father was murdered. He actually faced the, I mean, everything goes with that. Faced the man in prison to make, you know, solve with that and put the piece. It, like that podcast was phenomenal. He's a great character and a monster bench presser. And uh, yeah, so definitely check out James Strickland because as a side story, if he hits 700 bench, I think he might be the smallest man to do so.
1: Quick timeout. I got to pee real fast. You bet. Go
0: do it. it. Go hit that. I got, it. I got
1: So rolling into the uh, super heavyweight guys, Um, uh, two, in my mind, legends of the sport um, are competing here. So the three competing are going to be Sean Doyle, Zach Smith, and Dan Bell. From what I can see, Zach Smith is pretty new. He did a 982.5 kilo total at 141. So it looks like at that contest, he actually just missed 140, 308. Um, and just had to go super heavyweight. So that's going to be something to consider for Zach going into this meet, especially with, with the bigger guys. Truly gaining 20 pounds for those guys, 10 kilos of weight, can add 30 to 40 to 50 kilos on their squat. Mm. Dead serious. So those bigger guys, you got to watch out for those big squats. Um, Doyle uh, was a big wrapped competitor, did big dogs multiple years in a row, won one year. I believe got second or third at the current a couple of times. Huge, used to be with Kabuki strength, had some falling out. Not really sure what happened there. But obviously my money here is going to go on Dan Bell. He's been on an awesome streak. Um, he's been competing in sleeves, in wraps, and multiply. Really, really, really becoming an all-around good lifter. Uh, he's a current, Dan,
0: he's the current world record holder, right?
1: Currently has the highest, I believe, sleeved and wrapped total oh, of all God. time. Uh, so, you know, 2,500 and wraps. Best sleeve total, uh, uh, 1, 1,127 and a half kilo, 2,480. Jesus um, so, uh, but, but with that, his best coefficient is 583. That still puts him almost 40 points under Hack's best coefficient ever and uh, 21 points under his last 198 coefficient. So for the men... I'm going to say that first place is definitively going to John hack and I believe it pays out to fifth place. So the following five that or following four that I put in here to take. Um, and again, I'll eat my words if these are wrong, uh, but I'm going to give that to uh, Josh Lentz, Dan Bell, uh, Aaron Palco and Sean Doyle. But um, let's see here. one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight of these competitors all have a coefficient between five fifty and five seventy and all of and all of those coefficients were done on between a four for nine and seven for nine day, so it could really go a lot of ways with those last placings. Um, Blake Le Hugh is somebody who I really don't want to throw out, but he had a really rough me. His last meet, he actually got DQ'd at the Pioneer Open. His deadlift lockouts are absolute garbage and not locked out. And so until he really fixes that, because he's an amazing deadlifter. Sorry about that. Because he's an amazing deadlifter. So until we we see that fix, I think Blake, um, not that I'm not considering him to even win the meet, because he has that potential. uh, I just think it's going to be a rough going for him um, there. Um, So that's that's what I have. With Blake, it is um, you're
0: right in that. It's the sumo style he has. And Sean's actually talked about this. He goes, look, it, I go wide on that sumo in the lockout. Sean's like, it could be 50-50. I can go fucking huge and get it off the ground, get a rape to lockout. But the, if I get pitched forward just a stitch, there's a little up-down movement or whatever. Right. It's like That's the game we play. Except
1: with Blake, that's not what's being called. He's not being called for downward movement or anything like that. He's being called for soft lockouts. Mm. If you look at Blake's lifts, he keeps his thoracic and chest very, very extended in the top position. So what tends to happen is his hips don't come all the way through and his uh, chest is too far forward and his shoulders don't lock out. It's a call I would make 99 times out of 100. I would have also red-lighted every single one of his deadlifts at his last contest and even ones before that. Um, but yeah, so Blake is somebody who I really don't want to throw out. I really also don't want to rule out, uh, uh, Andy, uh, at all because we just haven't seen what Andy can really do yet. And we all know that and he has that really top tier level. Now, I have Palco down here on here too. What I will say about Palco is he typically competes in RPS meets, Aaron Palco. So this is also WRPF meets, so we're going to see how it is going into it. But now that um, Strong Barbell Club is handling most of the judging and how that's going to happen, I think we're going to see a pretty legitimate contest here. So how I said that,
0: this is a good segue, my friend, going into the women's. It's going to be um, a very well-run meet, and and uh, you're confident in terms of the calls. Marianna Ryan coming in as a 123 once again, and although unopposed, perhaps solidifying history because this is the weight class that, uh, you know, there was some discussion on previously, and she has an opportunity here. To possibly match or post something up around that ballpark. I don't know if we'll have the same as she had on the current because she's lifting on a pose.
1: Well, her note there. Even then, she's in sleeves this time.
0: Oh, that's right. That's so, right. You're right. Yeah.
1: So, g- looking at Mariana's best numbers, her best sleeved meats, she did 580 kilo, which is, sorry, I'm so used to kilos now, guys, uh, 1277 at 57 kilos and her last meet she did 570 so 10 kilos lower about 1255 at 63 um best her current best coefficient mean, again guys i'm speaking dots i'm not speaking wilkes i'm not speaking ipf points i'm speaking dots i used open powerlifting for all this information uh it at, when she did that 580 at 57 She did the 659 coefficient. When she did the 570 at 63, she had a 613. So she's obviously the clear favorite to win. But I'm going to talk about here in a second two people who I think can really come and steal the show that people aren't really, they don't have a big eye on. So going into 132 at this meet, there's actually, this is the, I believe, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four. The 132, the 60 kilo. Weight class here has the most competitors in it, so this is what we're going to see. But all of the key, all of the competitors in the in the one thirty two weight class are all relatively new, um, or are making their sleeved, not sleeve debut, um, or are making their like debut onto a bigger platform. Um, so we have uh, Cora Meekum she's actually twenty years old. He looks to be the youngest competitor at this contest. She's done 420 at 60 kilo, uh, Robin Mikado, I hope I'm saying that right. She did 495 at 60, uh, Courtney Tedesco, my handwriting's so bad. Uh, she did 432 at at 60 and 432 at 59. Those are her last two meets. So, you know, we'll see how the momentum goes there for her. And I do not know how to say this girl's name, but I'm going to assume it's just Angel, Angel, I don't know how to say it. Angelia Ana. She did 4.48 at 60 kilo her last meet. And Haley Hill did a 3.97 at 55, her last sleeve meet, but hasn't done a sleeve meet since 2018 and has been in wraps since. And her last wrapped contest, she did 4.87 at 58. So she actually has the highest coefficient there of all those girls. But, again, that's in wraps, and that's a huge, huge, huge discrepancy. Mm. Moving to the 67.5. Um, we have Chloe Lansing, Caitlin Dunlap and Conica Bird. I know all three of these lifters I have competed with in the same contest as, uh, Conica. I believe that's how you say her name. She did the tribute. She's actually only done two meets, but she is on track over the next couple of years to uh, beat out Stacey Burr's 148 record, I believe. So Conica did 592 at 67.5 in sleeves uh caitlin dunlap did 552 and a half at 75 kilo so a weight class up this is actually her first time going down to uh 148 67 5 kilo i'm really excited to see how that goes she's a very fun lifter to watch very energetic but one person who i think everybody really needs to keep a close eye on is chloe lansing out of iowa if you guys don't know chloe lansing her instagram's like chloe.may i believe amazing lifter. So Chloe's actually, um, and I'm sure she doesn't, I don't know if it bothers her that I'm going to say this. I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure she owns it, but Chloe actually has, um, she's a disabled lifter. She, her, I believe it's her right hand. Uh, I think she was had a birth defect. I could be saying that wrong. I don't know enough about it. So please nobody hate on me. So she actually deadlifts on her right hand with a strap. And then she, when she bench presses, it's kind of um, just resting on top of her hand. Very, very, very impressive lifter. Deadlifted well over 500 pounds. I believe she's done 500 pounds for a double. Uh, and she totaled 570 at 67.5, but has only competed in wraps thus far. So this will actually be her first raw contest. I'm very, very excited to see what she does. Um, she trains pretty intelligently. Uh, and has a very strong crew around her at her gym. She trains in Iowa, I believe, at Anvil. So she's also she trains regularly with Cody Blazek. If you guys don't know who Cody Blazek is, he was actually the first person to do 2000 at 181 at the same meet John Hack did 2000 at 181, but Cody did it in wraps. So it was a little bit overshadowed. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot there. Um, moving into 165, uh, I actually... Was a little upset about this. I only knew one of these competitors. So the four competitors here are Christina Sisk, Rachel Torres, Jessica Slavinsky, and Hunter Henderson. Um, Don't mean to be a dick or undermine anybody. I actually couldn't even find any info on Rachel Torres. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, Jessica, or I'm sorry, Christina Sisk did 487 at 75 in sleeves. Jessica Slavinsky did 492 and a half at 75. And then Hunter just blows them out of the water. Did 585 kilo. For those of you who don't speak kilo, uh, that is a a 1290 total at 165. If you guys don't watch Hunter Henderson, she is already levels above this last total, has essentially taken everything she did at this last contest for a double, if not triple, in this training prep. Uh, She's looking phenomenal. At 181, we have Sierra Hutton. She's been around for a while. Sierra lifts. Uh, her best total is 502 at 181. That's uh, uh, 1107 at uh, 181. Phenomenal competitor. She was off the platform for a couple of years. I believe did a meet within the last six months. She's kind of making her way back and she's killing it. Uh, at 198, we have Amber Lucy, Casey Romero, and Kirsten Skirlock. I could not find any info on Amber, though I was pretty positive that was somebody I knew from Ohio, but I couldn't find anything on her on open powerlifting, so that was a little confusing. Um, Casey Romero did 570 at 95 kilo, um, so she was previously at super heavyweight, is now competing in the 90 kilo weight class. Uh, Casey cannot get a handle on her deadlift, in my opinion. Uh, I believe she trains um, overload too often, using straps too often. There's like a 30 or 20 kilo discrepancy between her best gym deadlift and her best contest deadlift. And that discrepancy isn't just like she missed. It's like she struggles with thirty to you know, 20 to 30 kilos below her best gym pole, because of her grip and because of how using straps changes her position and changes her lockout. Um, so I think we're going to, but I, things have started to clean up for her a little bit. I think she's going to put up an awesome total. Um,
0: yeah, she, she has, she has been doing, I think in training, cause I think she's with Joey flex. Uh, I might be wrong with that, but I'm pretty no, sure she's
1: absolutely wrong. Is it? Who's she with? Nobody.
0: she, oh, she with something. nobody. Shit. Okay. Maybe she used to be a something. She, but she started doing hook grip, I think she started doing hookup. I'm noticing more. So I think she's telling herself what you were saying. Now, it'll be about getting the shoulders back and about lockout. And, no. I mean, it doesn't fix everything. But no. I think it's been brought to her attention. And she's like, I got I to gotta change this. I think yourself. it'll
1: help. Um, she's been working with Dan Griggs. If you guys don't know who Danny Grigsby is. Um, 275, all-time world record deadlift holder. Pulled like 948. At 275, he's out of California. I believe he trains at, I think, Iron Mongers. I'm not sure. Super cool guy. Um, really good, intelligent lifter. It's good to see that she's at least getting a second eye on a lot of her training. Mm. And then at super heavyweight, we have Jessica Springer. She did a 537 and a half. Uh, that was a couple of years ago in sleeves. She's been in wraps the last couple of meets. And actually, by far has the highest total of all the women here. 705 kilo wrapped total at Super oh, Heavyweight. Wow. That's a 1555 total. Awesome to see. Um, oh, and I, I accidentally skipped over uh, Kirsten Skirlock who's also looking really awesome in her sleeve prep. Done um, mainly wraps coming off of multiple wrapped contests. Did 630 at 100 keys. So... We're going to see a lot there as she moves down. Uh, I think the uh, weight change will benefit her deadlift quite a bit. And I think that'll have a big impact on her total. So for women, going purely off of the numbers, this was kind of a hard list to establish. So I have Mariana in first and Hunter in second overall. And then the bottom three I have between Chloe Lansing, uh, Konika Bird, and Jessica Springer. Um, Those bottom three, I think, are going to be interchangeable the whole way through since this is going on coefficient. Now, while I have Mariana in first and I have Hunter in second, seeing how Hunter's training is going and how consistently effortless most everything looks, also knowing that Mariana has spent nearly the last year in bodybuilding, has been away from the powerlifting platform for a little while. I think we're going to see something really, really huge from Hunter. So while my preliminary um, bets, quote unquote, are Mariana, Hunter, and the bottom three, I think that we can all be very, very surprised. I think, not think that we'll all be very surprised. I think it is not anywhere far-fetched to say that Hunter could very much so come in and dominate this entire contest.
0: There is, um, look, there, there, there is some here, Mariana when she beat Steffi, really did establish herself as the Wilkes Queen and moved to the forefront of the discussion for women's powerlifting and has put a target on her back as the woman to beat. You're right, she looks, she looks phenomenal, she's been doing a lot of bodybuilding got in amazing shape uh, making 123 shouldn't be as, as tough a task as probably previously, because she is in such phenomenal shape. So we'll see how that moves on to the platform. However, something that Hunter Henderson has that Mariana doesn't, because she's in the higher weight class, Marianna is going to go first. And in, in unlike the Steffi Cohen battle, where it becomes a handling proposition where you're you can change your last deadlift temp, change your deadlift openers, and there's a little bit of chess going on with these She'll ladies. Mean
1: a whole different flight.
0: So then then we're talking, now Hunter Henderson, there is no chess anymore. I know exactly where you hit. I just need to go nine for nine, stay within my limit. That is a phenomenal – because all the pressures on Mariana, she has no idea what's going to happen with Whoa. Hunter. So she's got to go balls out and maybe tip too far
1: over. Another thing. It is Hunter's is gonna have, I think, considerably less internal stress going into this meet because of a home court advantage.
0: Wow. She's going
1: to be competing in her gym with her people. She's gonna have to wait cut from home. There's no travel required, there's none of the excess trying to find the right foods, getting your car, getting all this stuff, getting to the meat menu. Yeah, your support she's, team's
0: there. Feels she's normal.
1: Gonna, she's gonna have a huge home court advantage going into this contest. So,
0: my friend, how much different is it? This is so she trains at this gym that it's gonna be held at. Yep. So, how much different is it? Listen, one of the biggest things. Hitting PRs in your own gym is great. When you got to travel to the other side of the country, you're in a hotel, how did you get there? You're cutting weight, all the rest of it. You show up at the venue, you're nervous as shit. It doesn't feel like home, and everyone says it's not going to be the same. When she wakes up and it's like, nah, man, this is the same though. This is a max day, just like any other max day for me. And I don't have to worry about anybody else in my flight. My eyes are on someone in the previous flight. I already know what I need to hit. There's no, there's no chess being played. There's no jigging right. the system here. It's, it is. It's a great advantage.
1: Yeah, and a couple of other things to compare with those two. Hunter is a younger lifter who's on a great momentum right now, has only consistently gotten better. Mariana is a little more seasoned. Um, has, you know, had, obviously you can only maintain the absolute elite level for so long. Since her best showing, she has totaled less and been heavier. Um, and having the year off of body, a year off of powerlifting, being a bodybuilder, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera, um, I think there's just, a, there's just a lot of factors in play here. And I think those first and second place uh, placards are going to be interchangeable. So, so sure.
0: So one storyline coming from this could be possible passing of the torch. You think from Mary, from, for a new queen of powerlifting, you think that's a possibility that tune in because bigger than just who wins the showdown, could we possibly see a passing of the torch, a new queen on the crown? Because whenever Marianne steps in there, she is the current queen. You know, and she's no, she's no, she's she's not shy. Uh, it, it's tough because they're not in the same flight, and it makes it difficult, and that's where I could honestly, this is not an excuse for Mariana, who, whom I've had on the podcast, and she's a lovely lady, but it would be, you know, we'd be remiss if not saying, Mariana be like, you know what, to beat me, I do think you should be in the same flight as me so that we're playing against each other. Um, maybe that would be, but this would be at least phase one of the passing up. If Hunter Henderson beats her here, yeah. It might set a possible rematch, which I fucking love a good storyline. I love a good rivalry. And be right. like, all right, let's get these girls on the same flight. Let's play chess, and let's have them start playing the game.
1: Now, I will say two people I don't really want to throw out of this mix altogether. Konica Bird. She's only got two meets under her belt, and she started competing in, I, I want to say it was June of 2019. Holy like, shit. she's barely a year in, and she's it almost – almost 10 times body weight at 67.5. It's uh, just under nine times or no, it's about nine times body weight. And we all know how those first three and four meets that we do go. It is exponential increase the whole way through those first four meets. So we could see a massive showing from her. And while I don't agree with a lot of what Casey Romero does, Uh, If she can pull her deadlift together on that day, and we see her pull 600 plus pounds on that day, um, that's going to definitely change the standing of this order quite a bit. So what's very cool to see um, is there is actually maybe not as cool to see is there is just a big discrepancy between who are the top and experienced lifters at this contest for the women and who were the newer up and coming lifters, at this contest. I mean, we're seeing differences of over a hundred kilos in some of these totals, which is mm-hmm. massive. Um, so again, guys, don't forget that this meet has, they have worked very hard just to keep this meat on the board. I mean, they have worked through hell just to make sure this is still even a sanctioned event. So yeah. it's cool to see. So like I said, for the guys, I'm going to say Hack as one, and then a toss-up of Lentz, Dan Bell, Palco, and uh, Sean Doyle, not um, completely excluding um, Mikey Estrella, Blake LeHue, and uh, uh, who was my last one? Uh, Joe Sullivan and Andy Wagg.
0: In terms of the storylines coming out of the men's, because we obviously have an established storyline for the women's, um, in terms of a possible emergence of Hunter Henderson at the top of the food chain, so to speak. If not definitively, certainly enters the discussion. If you're a Mariana fan, you would say, all right, let's 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 see a round two. But I love, we got to love when we start having rivalries sprout out and now we have something to look forward to. But looking at the storyline for the men's, Hack is definitely – he's at the forefront. He's probably the leader overall. Is this a possibility to establish himself as the definitive in the untested number one? Do you think he has done that already? There's, there's obviously Belkin in the mix. The but, world's a big
1: place. Or do you think this is an I, opportunity to do so? I think he's done it already. But I think what this meet for hack is going to be is proving it again in the newest weight class he did. So he proved it through 181. He did like 1920, 1970, 2000, just better, 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 boom. And if he follows that line here at 198, we're going to see, you know, he did the, the 932, which was 2055. And then I I truly think, and you, you know, I truly think he's going to do 970, which is going to put him at like 2134. Um, And at minimum, I think we're going to see, like, a 955, which is still going to be, you know, 2104. Um, So I think we're going to see legitimate, untouchable history being made. We're going to see a 2,100-pound total at 198. And then I think what storyline is really starting to develop there is, yes, seeing the absolute best powerlifter of all time uncontested happen. You got to think if he's going to do – 21.30 21.30 at 198. What's going to happen if we see John push some of the other external factors, body weight, supplementation, those types of things? What are we going to see? Are we going to see, a, a, you know, Yuri Belkin did 23.05, or, or it might have even been 23.50 at 220 in wraps. Are we going to see, you know, 1,050, 1,020 from John Hack? At 100 kilo. And then we have a guy who's done 10 times body weight in three weight classes, which was mm-hmm. my goal, ironically, starting out. You know, I wanted to do 10 times body weight in three classes. And now we're going to have a guy doing, I mean, I believe, damn near, John Hack. if he, you know, if he puts in two more meats at 198 at 90 kilo and follows this. Path that he's been on if he does 932 970 and we see that you know 37 and a half kilo increase if he can do that one more time we're gonna see 990 at 90 kilo and we're gonna see an 11 times body weight total i think that's the real storyline that's potentially developing here because we're not really seeing a brake pedal yet here guys we're not We're not like, and he's still been so, and he'll talk about it. I believe with most people, he's still been so minimal on a lot of the supplementation end of things. There's a lot of room there for him. Uh, I think some of the other storylines that are kind of developing there, we're going to see a lot of these guys coming out of the woodworks. You know, we got Charles Vogel, Javon Garrison, um, uh, Max Xavier, John Philippe, uh, Ricky Wright, Cade Proctor, all those guys, man, they're all within their first, you know, three years, five contests, if not less. I think all of those guys are really going to start to set the foundation for establishing a name for themselves in this sport uh, as competitors. Uh, and that's really cool to see. I really... Keep looking at Mikey Estrella, man. I just and the more I look at this, the more I'm just like, I really think Mikey's gonna do something crazy. Mikey has the fifth highest coefficient on this sheet. And he's the lightest competitor. I think I think Mikey Estrella is probably somebody I'm not talking about enough, man. Just lot of that guy has got a lot of potential and he's also very relatively new to the sport compared to a lot of these other guys, at the top here. What's cool to see is the amount of veterans and the amount of like damn near absolute amateurs that are doing this sport, this contest, almost at the exact same level. So the ceiling for a lot of these guys is quite literally glass. Um,
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it's a break. This could be a breakthrough performance on the men's side for a lot of people oh yeah it's like tune in for a hack stick around for mike you know what i mean where yeah. it's one of those deals we're looking you came for a couple big names obviously dan bell um the the greatest you know in terms of numbers wise super heavy we've had breaking records on both wrapped in in and out of wraps um in sleeves and so you have some people you come in to watch but there's, there's going to be some breakthrough performances that can establish themselves with names so i mean i'm hopefully they got the stream up and everything's running properly we could see but if not, we'll be posting the videos afterwards. Yep. And for Diabelle, I mean, is there anybody who can really push him out there worldwide, do you think, and threaten for his, his world records and that he can maybe have a showdown with?
1: Mm, um, you know, this is probably going to be pretty controversial. Um, in time. Brand. Huh. Seems on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in time, uh, mind you, this competitor's last couple of meets have been so, so, um, one sec, I'm forgetting his last name. I'm remembering his first name and forgetting his last no name. No worries.
0: No worries.
1: Here we go. Uh, Logan Chapman.
0: Oh shit. Oh, I knew you were going to say Logan Chapman.
1: Yeah. Uh, Logan Chapman. Yes. Arkansas. That corn fed Arkansas fuck. Yes. The kid who, yes. I've called out for squat depth. Yes. But he has so damn near unlimited potential as a super heavyweight. So in time, yes. I guess the real question after that is by the time Logan hits that caliber, will Dan Bell still be competing? My guess is yes. I think Dan Bell is going to be around for a while. He's already been around. He's been competing regularly since 2014, I believe um it has competed at this level for since 2016 um so we're gonna i mean still a really awesome roster here i mean a lot of people are complaining because it got pretty watered down and while it did we still have a really awesome roster to look at man
0: look i mean we look you got to take given everything and you know as a gym owner what fucking COVID has done Um, you know, to gyms, to lifters, to travel, to to people like an an event to be held with all the stipulations on it. You know, it depends on where you're at and and how much the COVID cases are in that community. And then, so then that obviously affects how how they're going to deal with in terms of the regulations and whatnot. So just for this meet director to be like, we got to make this fucking happen. You know, there's, we we don't have much
1: Massive, massive shout-out to Luke Bright, guys. Seriously, Luke Bright. If you guys don't know the entire kind of saga of what's happening here, this showdown contest is the tribute from last year or the year previous. Luke, uh, I believe, purchased the rights might be the wrong word, but took over the meat from Matt at Pioneer. Matt was just looking to go a different direction gave over to Luke and Eat Right, and Luke has done a very good job. Some of Luke's mistakes, um, bringing on that fucking stupid fuck police fitness, allowing him to do the meat, made Luke look pretty stupid. But in Luke's defense, after COVID hit, it was hard to keep the roster full. So he did what he could to fill his roster. Um, and that's what you'll see with some of these competitors here and some of these newer competitors who maybe haven't hit that qualifying total. Well, yes, that is upsetting. These are very unprecedented circumstances and unprecedented mm-hmm. times. Um, so I just think it's awesome just to get all this together again, massive shout out to Luke, Bright. Um, just a big fan of the sport. Um, you know, loves to see it grow and invested quite a bit. When I say quite a bit, guys, I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars,
0: tens
1: of thousands to get this meat going. So he even moved it out of his city, you know, across the Midwest uh, just to make sure it could still happen. He essentially gave up his own meat while still funding this meat just so it could happen.
0: Yeah. Just, just to not let everybody down. And here's, so for anyone listening, so there was qualifying, was it based off of or at least initially, and obviously you did what you had to do to keep the roster, keep the meat going. Yeah. So but initially,
1: I- initially, it was based off of, I believe it started as the first five people in each weight class from the previous year's rankings in RAW got their invites first. That was first round. And then it was the next five, and then the next five, and the next five, based on who took the invitations. Okay. It was pretty fucking full a while back. It never hit the capacity he wanted it to. But that's part of the problem with untested powerlifting. The top five guys in untested powerlifting, almost like, hey, look, just to give you guys an example, I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to go to rankings. I'm going to go to 20. I'm gonna, I'm, I, you know what? I'm just going to go to this year. I'm going to go to this year in the 90-kilo wrapped weight class. Okay, or I'm sorry, um, Sleeved sleeve class. Um, and I'm going to read the top five off to you guys. So at number one, we have, oh, wait, this is men and women. And this is by Dots. Sorry, sorry. Got to go to total. <laughs> Got to go to men only. Thank you. Open powerlifting. Okay. So this year. The top five totals at 198 are done USPA, USPA, RPS, NZPF, which is New Zealand Powerlifting Federation, which I believe is an IPF affiliate, and then the USAPL. Those are the top five totals. It's John Hack, oh, I me, Travis Rogers, Tim Monagati, and Rob Ali. Those are the top five this year. Five different feds, and the meets took place in Wisconsin, Texas. Tennessee, New Jersey, New Zealand, and New York. This is part of the reason we will not see ever see a meet like the showdown be able to get those top five competitors in each weight class in the same room because these guys won't compete in this Fed, they won't compete out of their hometown, they won't compete out of this, or you know, they know they just fucking bomb. So that's part of the reason that you won't see these types of meets live up to the caliber that is projected online. Um, but regardless, but regardless, how redundant is that to say? Uh, regardless, um, still an awesome contest here. Uh, really, oh God, I'm umming like crazy. Uh, very excited to see how this all plays out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, look, it's tough to hold these meets under any condition for any federation, but he's definitely got, I get that the the roster isn't, what he wanted initially before the COVID happened. But it's still a pretty good roster, all all things being considered. I mean, you got some of the biggest names here with Dan Bell, obviously John Hack, and you got some up-and-comers. You even got some guys who have crossed over, former IPF world champions, Blake LeHue. So people are represented.
1: It's a shame um, Caleb Willem's not there. Yourself can't be there, but. Uh, That's not, that's not, that's not fact. Not official yet. Okay, so Caleb might be in. I just don't think he is. I've seen Kayler drop out of multiple meets, very, very last minute. It's kind of one of his like classic things to classic
0: do. T- classic, yeah,
1: Kaler. classic, 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 Kaler. classic um, So uh, we'll see, we'll see. We all know Kayler. Um, if we do throw Kayler into this mix, oh um, shit, obviously, son. Yeah, obviously, if we throw Kayler in this mix, it's probably going to go a Hack and then Kayler for first and then second. Uh, And we'll probably see some big deadlifts. But I know he's had on and off knee issues for the last couple of years. Uh, Had a hard time just getting squatting into contest anyway. I believe it was the Kern. Was it the Kern? I think it was the Kern in 19 where he had said he'd only been squatting like the last four weeks before the meet. So regardless, I'm I'm really excited to see the guy get healthy and start putting Mm -hmm. up fucking massive numbers again. Kaler is always going to be a favorite to watch just because the dude is a fucking brute, man. He is amazing to watch lift. I've uh, watched Kaler compete in person three or four times now, and it, it's, it's an amazing experience. I will say the two most fun people to watch compete in person are John Hack and Yuri Belkin, who I have had the fortunate happenings of being able to compete in the same contest as them on multiple occasions. And uh, it just kind of, it almost takes you out of what you're doing. Just watching those guys lift.
0: Is that your dream showdown? What? Hack and Belkin, same flight. So
1: I think one thing that we're probably going to see 2021, 2022 is Yuri and Hack both at 220. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, shit. I, I that
1: think would it'll be happen.
0: Bonkers.
1: I think it'll happen.
0: So, same weight class. We're not even talking by a co- uh, you know, coefficient, whether it's dots or whatever. I,
1: I, I, think it, I think it has to happen. Yeah, well, and, dude, I think, if it, that's and I think that's a thing. And I think that's something that, while John is obviously still currently dominating at 198, I think it would be crazy to watch John just like walk in at 210, 215. And Yuri make the, the super easy three to because Yuri walks around two twenty three two twenty five, you know, like hundred and two keys max. Uh, to watch them go into the same contests and sleeves, I think that that's kind of a dream that everybody would love to see, and be a really awesome way to really settle who is the modern goat because it's a hard comparison to make. The reason being, Yuri's almost strictly raps yeah. and uh, John is strictly sleeps. John, so John tried
0: sleeves and it fuck he had all types of injuries he's like I am not doing
1: it. He tried. for sorry, raps. sorry. I
0: meant safe uh, yeah. yeah. He's he, like he, I'm not going back.
1: No. And he should it. He shouldn't. He's too. He's too damn good in what he, in what he's already doing. It'd be mm-hmm. it'd be almost stupid to see.
0: Do you think Yuri would would split the difference, meet him in wraps – or sorry, meet him in sleeves? Like, do you? Th- Will there be that little asterisk? Like, yeah, you beat him in sleeves, but Yuri's not really a sleeved guy. You know, or what do you think? Um,
1: well, uh, Look, if, you're who's Russian,
0: gonna... if you're Russian, you got your storyline. Uh,
1: anybody on, who's going to say that doesn't really know Yuri Belkin's history. In that That's Yuri Belkin was an IPF competitor for a long time. So, Yuri, in, in, you know, going and looking right now at Yuri Belkin's work, um, but is he better in raps though? Even if it, historically speaking, he started in sleeves. Oh, of course he's better than wraps. but Yuri will also openly talk about that. He, if he goes to a meet in raps and sees that they're letting high squats pass, he'll fucking load up an extra 50 kilos on the bar and yeah, he'll do it. Okay. That's fair. He'll openly, he'll openly yeah. admit to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Adjust to the strike zone, right? Exactly. Um, Yuri hasn't done a raw full power meet since 2014 Holy in, shit. in South Africa.
0: My friend, we got, look at with this, this, I think you're right. You're 100% right. This has to happen. Every powerlifting fan. I don't know how we get Yuri out of raps How we talk him into it.
1: But this has to happen. Dude, I'll I'll text him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude, it has to happen. Whatever it is, how big would that stream be? It it would be that old. It'd be almost like a UFC poster, and there could only be be one.
1: I would be willing to put money into an event that is just those two lifting. Yeah, I mean,
0: you could have an undercard, so to speak, because you need to fill the the flight. Otherwise, we'd be sitting around watching a little long. But if we're – you could have other showdowns. You can, In the same flight, you could have, like, two heavies, two whatever, right? A couple – so, so yeah, so I the mean, flight's full. How
1: amazing would it be to have a meet where we have two 67-kilo competitors, two seventy-fives, two eighty-twos, two 82s, two 90s, Dude. Two 200s, two 110s, two 125s, two 140s, and two 140-pluses all in the same meet? Can, can you imagine just having – imagine a, a, a contest where you have, like – Steffi, Mariana, like
0: that battle at Kern was fucking phenomenal. Right down to the last, you have like the women's, you have the same where you have like the big showdowns, all killer, no filler. And it's historical. Like the winner of Steffi Cohen, Mariana was the queen. The winner so, of this is the king.
1: I know we're already at like two and a half hours into the show, but one thing that I would love to say, I know we all hate the SPF. One thing they did right is something that the IPF is currently doing with the women's weight classes. The women's weight classes, they added a new one, adjusted some. Okay. The biggest discrepancy in men's weight classes is from the 110 to the 125. That's 242 to 275. Fair. A lot of people don't know this, but the SPF had a 117.5 kilo weight class that was only mandated inside of the Federation. That's a 259 pound weight class. If we found a way to incorporate that, the issue is the jumps go from seven and a half to 10 and then to 15 as it gets bigger, because then it goes 125, 140. Mm. If we went 110, 120, 130, 140 and altered those weight classes, I think we could see a much, much more competitive pool of heavyweight lifters that aren't super heavyweight. Cuz you got to think so many people who are just above that 275 gap, they just say fuck it and go 308. And then all those guys who walk around like like uh that's why like for example, the 275 weight class was so awesome for Dennis Cornelius. Because he was just above that threshold for 264 at mm-hmm. 120, that like, just going up to 275 made him now granted Dennis Cornelius world champion, already a fucking animal, just made him that much higher caliber of a lifter. I think if we could see that change, it won't happen because, you know, powerlifting is ran by fucking old white dudes who like the way they do things. But if we could see that change happen in untested powerlifting, I think that would be huge too. And if the IPF could add another weight class above 120 before they hit super heavyweight, I think that would also be really huge for the IPF. Uh, There's that's no- just my
0: Yeah, there's no question, 120, which is 264 pounds. And then you got guys like Ray Williams, Jezza, who are 400-pound men. Jezza
1: is one of my favorite lifters to watch of all time ever. Has been for you.
0: Jezza's amazing. At the World Championships, I shit you not. And by the way, in terms of podcasts, I'll probably split this up into two different – one a showdown, preview, and the other one, us talking. um, (laughs) So that 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 people – it works, right? Because we've been talking for a while. But um Jezza at the world championships in Sweden, the one that he won. My man was wearing like a Gucci jumpsuit, sitting in the lobby of a lifter hotel, and like everybody goes through. It's like, did you see Jezza? Did you guys see Jezza? Jezza was like everywhere, always hanging out at the lobby restaurant, hanging out at the lobby hotel, like just chilling at the hotel. Like everybody saw Jezza. He's such like a larger-than-life character, crazy friendly. After he won the world championships. He was, like, sitting down because he had, like, terrible injuries leading in. Sitting down, people, like, in a, people like in a lineup, getting their picture taken with Jez or, like, seeing Santa Claus at the mall, my man. We were all, like, hanging over him, taking pictures and shit. Jez is amazing. But, uh, but, yeah, I think you're 100%, right? A shifting around of the weight classes will help these showdowns happen. And, um, fuck, man, if in 2021 or whenever you ever get hacked Belkin, I don't think they should go pay per view, but I swear to God, I would fucking pay for it. I would pay, but I don't know. I would fucking that. pay for it. I would, I would, I would pay, but I don't want to paywall. I, I think they could get their mo- money in sponsorships, but I would love to see like bring back Marianne and Steffi. You know, bring them back. Let's do it one more time. If, bring.
1: L- listen, guys, if they bring back Marianne and Steffi, Steff, and they do it in a in a in a. In a on an inter, on an actual international stage, Steffi's gonna fucking murder. You think I'll so? Tell oh I- shit, bro. Right, yeah. I'll, tell- I'll tell everybody that right now. And maybe I'm biased because I'm friends with Steffi, but dude, they're like <laughs> that diligence and that fire that she has is completely unmatched. It just is. I mean
0: And there it is. From there, uh, me and Garrett basically drift back into the conversation you heard on the previous podcast with Garrett. Um, You know, we we just go back, pick back up from there. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I think next scheduled, uh, we actually have the meet director from the showdown. Uh, the big showdown meet, and there's a big <laughs> story behind this. So uh, yeah, you might want to tune in for that one. But if you missed any of these episodes, give a Google this podcast, and all the different platforms will pop up, and you'll see the different lifters that we've we had on. Uh, the Joey Sullivan, Mighty Joe Sullivan podcast is blowing up. Everybody's hitting me up on that one as well. Um, he dropped some amazing sound bites. And, uh, things got, man, we got, we got emotional. My man broke down twice and he had almost, he almost had me breaking down. It's tough, man. We went there, Uh, a couple different topics. And, uh, but not only that, there's not only just for the showdown preview shows with those roster of athletes, but just put any lifter that you're into dash king of this podcast. And we've had them all, man. We've been doing this for a few years. Uh, a couple episodes a year, thats or a couple episodes a week, that many weeks. You do the math. We've done it all. Um, so by all means, hit up those different episodes and, uh, and let me know what you think. Thank you very much. And until next time, peace.